Hey, let's pray together. God, thank you um, for this morning. Thank you, God, just for the worship and just what a joy that was to sing together and to clap together and to celebrate you. Um, God, I pray that as we look into your word this morning that you would teach us, um, that we would see ourselves the way that you see us. Help us to understand that. Um, And God, open up the scriptures to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So sometimes when you go to events, you check in at the registration table, and they give you a, a sticker to put on, your, uh, on yourself that looks something like this. It's a, hello, I am. And, uh, you know, I, how many of you, just out of curiosity, like some people love these and some people don't like this. How many of you don't like the, hello, I am name tag stickers? Okay, some of you, well, I don't like you, so... Um. <laughs> Uh, just kidding. I love you. But like, I love name tag sticker type of stuff because I am absolutely awful with names. Like, I think everybody should wear stickers, including like my kids and my dog, because I just, I can't keep names straight. I'm just bad with it. And, and if you're here and you have ever been offended by me because I forgot your name or I called you the wrong thing or I introduced myself for the 25th time, um, don't be offended because I really, I go through the names of like three kids and my dog before I get to the right kid when I'm trying to you know, get their attention or whatever. Um, but, you know, the, it's interesting. You, we walk into these events, and they say, write your name down. But I want you to imagine that you walk into an event. You go to the registration table. <clears throat> they give you your name tag that says, hello, I am. And instead of writing your name, that what they say is, I want you to write who you are. So you get one of those name tags, and they say, write who you are. What would you write? You know, some of you would write your profession, you know, I'm an IT guy, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm a clerk, I'm an administrative assistant, I'm a, and you would write your profession down. You know, some of you, when you say hell, and they say write down who you are, you would write down, you know, something as far as relationships. You know, I am a mother, I am a son, I'm a husband, I'm a sister. You know, if you're from Southern West Virginia, you'd say I'm a mama, right? I'm, I'm a grandma. You know, you would write something like that down. You know, or maybe if somebody said, write down who you are, you would write down kind of a passion of yours. I'm a WVU football fan. I'm a, I'm a reader. I'm a tennis player. I, I'm a, you know, whatever it might be, some passion or hobby that you would write down. But imagine this. Imagine that you got to this registration table and you got this name tag that said, hello, I am. And the person said, I want you to write down how you see yourself and how other people see you. And you would write it down in invisible ink, and no one would know what you wrote except for yourself. What would you write if that was the case? This is who I really think that I am. You might write, I'm lonely, or I am hopeful, or I'm scared, or I am anxious. Or maybe you'd write down, I feel hopeless, or I feel helpful, or I'm ashamed, or I'm worn out, that you might write something like that. And as you think about what you might write on that tag that identifies who you are, that's your identity. That's the way that you think about yourself. And so this morning, we're beginning a new series titled Immeasurably More. And a big part of this Immeasurably More series will be looking at what is our identity? Who does God say that I am? 
And we're going to come back to a phrase throughout this whole series, which is this. What I believe about who I am determines how I live. What I believe about who I am determines how I live. And that, that phrase may sound kind of familiar to you because we use a large part of it in the last service we, or last series uh, of the great beyond. You know, we said, what I believe about eternity determines how I live today. Uh, and you'll see this phrase again in the next sermon series after uh, this one. Uh, we're we're going to look at the character of God. And that is also true, that what you believe about the character of God determines how you will live. But for this series, we're going to talk about and focus in on what I believe about who I am determines how I live. And this is, it works in, in both ways. In other words, there's some things that you believe about yourself that are positive. There's some things that you believe about yourself that are negative. There's some things that you believe about yourself that are true of you. But there are also things that you believe about yourself that are not true of you, that are lies. And so we're going to talk about what is our identity? Who does God say that we are? But over the course of this series, we're also going to talk about a, a phrase that, I might, that we might coin and say, a lie identity. A lie identity is something that we believe about ourselves that isn't true. And, and this statement is an accurate statement whether the things that we believe our, about ourselves are true or not. What I believe about who I am, even if it's a lie, affects how I live my life. And so we're going to talk about that throughout this series. So this series is going to go through the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, open up to the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, uh, you can open it up on your phone. Uh, or if you want to grab one at the welcome desk out there, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Uh, but this is going to be a series where you're going to have the opportunity to underline some things and highlight things. And we're going to connect the dots between chapter 1 and chapter 3 and chapter 2 and chapter 5. And we're going to be doing that. And it's one where you're really going to want your Bible to kind of connect the dots and go along with this series the theme for this series is from Ephesians chapter 3, and it says this. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. It's Ephesians 3.20. It's this idea that God can do immeasurably more in us than we could ever ask for or that we could ever imagine. He wants to do more and more in us. Now, as we talk about more, when you think about more, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page with this, because as you think about more, you may think, well, you know, I, I like money. I want more money. Or I have a lot of influence. I want more influence. Or I'm successful. I want more success. Or I want more stuff. Or I want more popularity or more power or more of that. There's things that we want more of. Some are good. Some are bad. But what we're talking about here is what God wants more not from us, but for us. In the first chapter, in verse 3, Paul writes this. He writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So if you have a highlighter, a pen or pencil, write down or underline blessed. It's in there three times. Blessed be the God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing blessing. So the more that we're talking about is the spiritual blessing. The, the more, the immeasurably more, is that we would get so closely connected with God. And it comes from understanding who he says that we are. If we understand who God says that we are, 
we will experience immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So we're going to begin in verse 1 and kind of get a context of the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote this. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's written by Paul. He was one of the apostles, not one of the original 12, but he became a Christian after Jesus died and rose again. And there's a phrase in here that I want to draw your attention to. At the end of verse 2, it says, in Christ. Underline that phrase, circle that phrase, in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. And that phrase, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, or it'll say in him, over the next 14 verses, you'll find that phrase nine times. And I'd encourage you, if you want to do something, you know, find, again, to interact with the text, is sometime this week, sit down and read that, and underline or circle, find the nine times that it's in there this phrase of in Christ. And what that means is that we are in Christ, meaning that we are believers in Jesus Christ. He writes to the saints. So we know that this is a book. It's actually a letter written from Paul to the church or the people in Ephesus, but it is a letter that was written to the Christians who were there. And so if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ, all the things that what Paul is going to write about you and your identity They are true of you. Now, I would also say this. If you're here this morning and you have never received Christ as your Savior, you're not yet in Christ. But maybe this morning would be the morning that you would become in Christ by receiving him as your Savior. On March 24th, we are going to have a baptism at River Ridge. And baptism Sundays are awesome because what we're doing is we're celebrating people who have publicly said, I am in Christ. It's an in Christ celebration. And if you're here this morning and you are in Christ, you've received Christ, but you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to do that, to make that commitment. Say, hey, I'm going to get baptized and let us know on your Connect card or through the app or emails, however you want to let us know. And we would love to talk to you about that. But on March 24th, we're going to have this celebration that these people are in Christ of celebrating that publicly. But the first question is, are you in Christ? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ a little bit later in the message So then we get to our first identity in verse 4. It says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So here's our first identity. I am chosen. I am chosen. Do you realize that? That God chose you to be in him, to be in Christ, says before the foundation of the world. So thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, God looked forward to you and says, I choose you, Doug. I choose you, Susan. I choose you, John. I choose you, Brent. I choose you, Marianne. I choose you. That God saw you and he said, there's something in you and I choose you. Can remember when Stacy chose me? I was thrilled, amazed, and surprised. Um, I was uh, in school in in um, I was not in. Well, actually, we, so take it back a little bit. So we met um, after our senior year of high school, uh, and then for four years we were pen pals. And if you're like a millennial, you don't know what a pen pal is. That's like when you take out a piece of paper and you write words on it, 
right? And then you fold it up and you put it in an envelope and you put a stamp, right? You don't just hit send, but you actually put a stamp on it and you send it and then they read it and then they write back to you. That's a pen pal. So we were pen pals for four years. Uh, but senior year of college, I went down to visit her in Texas. And uh, I went down there. Texas was a very different world for me. And so she has all these friends who are guys, and like they're all like tall, good-looking, athletic, and they're really polite. Like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. They open the doors for people. They say, nice to know you. And they have all these kind of southern hospitality types of things. Um, and, and I'm not like that way at all. I'm not tall, good-looking, athletic, and I don't open doors for girls. So I didn't fit in very well, right? I, I mean, occasionally I've, I've been trained a little bit over the last number of years, but not very well. Um, I haven't caught on. But anyway, so, but I go down there, um, and Stacy chooses me to be her husband. I chose her, and she chose me back. And she still chooses me, and I'm amazed at that. And God chose you. There is something special in you that he says, I choose you. I desire to be in a relationship with you. When I was in high school, uh, I wanted to go to the school in Connecticut called Connecticut College. It was absolutely beautiful. It was on the Long Island Sound. The, uh, the water between Long Island and Connecticut had this green overlooking the Long Island Sound. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, I went up there and um, and I didn't really have the grades to get in when I took my visit. I didn't have great grades. Uh, my SAT scores were not very good. My math was good, although it looked like I couldn't even speak English because my English grade was so poor in, on my SAT. Uh, but I went in and I sat down for an interview uh, at Connecticut College. And, you know, typical questions he asked. And then he said, uh, what book are you reading? Are you reading any books right now? And I said, well, I'm reading a book uh, for English class called Weathering Heights. And he said, oh, you know, do you like it? And I said, not really. It's kind of boring. I don't like the language. I don't really get it. I just, it's kind of boring. I just kind of have to do it for my class. And he goes, oh, well, that's my favorite book. I'm like, well, <laughs> like, well maybe I'll go to University of Cincinnati where I'm from. Maybe they'll take me. So, but I really want to go there. I applied. And in February, a few months later, uh, I get home one Saturday afternoon. And the mail has come. And sitting on our uh, dining room table is an envelope from Connecticut College, and my parents are sitting there looking at me, looking at the envelope, like, come on, open it, open it. We want to find out what happened. And so I opened up the envelope, and it said that I'd been accepted to Connecticut College. And I was thrilled that they wanted me, even though I didn't have great grades, even though I didn't have a good SAT score, even though I didn't like the book Wuthering Heights, they still wanted me. God chose you, even though you might have a checkered past, even though your life might be three steps forward and four steps back, even though you say one thing and you don't always live what you say, even though you struggle with believing in God sometimes, even though, even though all these different things in our lives, even though those are true of you, God still looked at you and said, I choose you. That's your identity. You are chosen. Let's look at the next identity from verse 4. It says, In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. It says, In love, he predestined us for adoption. 
Our second identity that we're going to talk about this morning is I am loved. I am loved. Give you a kind of a brief um, history lesson about Ephesus. Um, so Ephesus was a city of 250,000 people. It was very much a hustling and bustling kind of city. Um, it was, there was a lot of culture. There was a lot of arts. Athletics was huge. Appearance was huge. Um, in a lot of ways, it was like the United States. Uh, and really what they valued is how you look. And that was more important than your character. Can you imagine being in a country like that? That's us, right? But they, that was what they valued. It was appearances. It was athletics and so forth. And so in this city of Ephesus, uh, they had a horrible practice um, that, that when a child was born, the parents would, would receive the child and, and look at the child, and they had a week to decide, again, this is culturally acceptable, if they wanted to keep this child. And what would happen is if the child had a birth defect or was deformed or didn't look healthy or whatever it was in the appearance of the child that they didn't think this child would be athletic and, and have a good appearance, that they would take the child outside the city gates and they would lay the child on this hill, this infant, a week old or less, on a hill to die because they valued this appearances and athletics so much. Well... They would put the child there, um, but if you lived in that city and you were married and you couldn't have a child, what you would do is you would go out to the hillside where, they, where children were left, where babies were left, and you would take the child and you would bring it into your home and you would raise it as your own. Now think about it. You live in Ephesus. You're familiar with that practice. And then Paul writes you this letter and he says, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Do you see the picture there? That you are loved. You are loved despite your blemishes, despite your issues, despite all of that. You are loved and God adopted you as his son or as his daughter into his family. Continues on with our next identity, verse 7. It says this. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. It says that he redeemed us. To be redeemed means to, to pay for something or to set something free. So we were set free through his blood. And so the result of that is that we are forgiven, that you are forgiven, not because you come to church, not because you read the Bible, not because you're a nice person or you're not as bad as you are. You are forgiven because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and you received him as your Savior. And we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, um, is we're going to stop to reflect on this truth that we are forgiven and we're going to celebrate communion together. And so, Steve and Crystal, you guys can come on up. If you're part of the communion team, you guys can come on up. And when I pray, we can hand out the elements. But we're going to take communion because I don't think that there's any better way to remind us that we are forgiven. And so as you take the elements this morning, remember that the cup represents the blood of Christ, which was shed for you. And the bread represents the body of Christ, which was broken for you. And you have salvation, again, not because of what you have done, but because of 
what Christ has done. And if you're here this morning, you've never received Christ as your Savior, I invite you to take that opportunity this morning to say, I place my faith in Jesus Christ. And then to take communion as your first act of being in Christ, of being a follower of Christ. So you'll pass the tray to the person next to you. After you pass them, then take the elements off of it, and they'll pass it and so forth is the way it works best. Um, I'm not going to say when to take the communion elements. When you've taken some time to meditate on your own, then take the communion and remember that you are forgiven. That is your identity. God, as we take communion, would you meet us here? Would you show us more of yourself? Remind us, Lord, that we are forgiven, not because of anything that we have done, but because Christ died on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Your identity is that you are forgiven, not because you took communion, but because Christ died for you. And so don't live the lie identity. Don't live the lie that you are unforgiven. Don't live the lie that you need to work for your forgiveness. Don't live the lie that you have to prove yourself and your worth to God to be forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for you as a sacrifice for your sin, and that is why you are forgiven. I want to close and talk about some application. You know, we've said, what I believe about who I am determines how I will live. And so I want to give us three kind of ways to, to keep on track or to keep that focus of our identity front and central, front and center in our lives. The first is this, is remain in his presence. Remain in his presence. One of the things that we want to do when we go through this book of Ephesians, we want to give you the opportunity to really go all in. And so I wrote a devotional um, that you can pick up as you walk out. If you walk out the double doors and on the silver tables, there'll be devotionals out there. Um, and what it is, is that each day there's a reading from the book of Ephesians, and then there's a reading from somewhere else in the scripture that has the same theme. Uh, and then there's just four questions that you can answer. And I want to encourage you to take that time daily to remain in his presence, to remain, to remember who it is that God says that you are. So grab one of those on your way out. Here's the second way, is this, is resist the urge to live my identity, you know, to resist the urge to live the lie of who we are not. Um, you know, when we talk about, and this will happen throughout this series, but we're going to talk about our identity, but we're also going to talk a little bit about what are the things that we believe about ourselves that are not true. What are the lies that we believe? And when you recognize a lie to say, I'm, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to live like who I really am in Christ. And, uh, you know, and this is something that for me is very much sort of what God is teaching me and trying to learn and work on this and so forth, and, and God is working on me. But there are certain lies that I believe, um, and I have to recognize those as not lies. And so, and I actually have them written in the front of my notebook, uh, but one of them is this, and I, I try to give it a name that sort of fit with a lie identity, is, is I'm chicken little, Right, that's my lie identity. I'm Chicken Little. Chicken Little, if you know, is the cartoon character, or Fable, or whatever it is, where uh, something falls on his head. It's like a, an acorn or a pine cone or something like that it falls on his head, and he goes, "The sky is falling. The sky is falling." And I get like that, 
Like some small thing happens, and I think the world is going to fall apart, right? You know, somebody can make some small comment. I'm like, oh my goodness, my life is falling apart. You know, somebody after this would come up and say, you know, I don't think we should do communion in the middle of the sermon. That's just not right. Jesus didn't do it that way. We shouldn't either. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, they're right. The the world is coming apart. Nobody's going to be at church except my family and my dog next week. And, you know, I mean, that's my mind goes there. It's like crazy. But you see, that's the. That's the lie that I believe. And if I live according to that lie, I'm going to live crazy. Right? I need to live the identity that God says that I am. Here's the final application. Is remind myself who I am. Remind myself who I am. And what I mean by this is to, to figure out what it is that works in your life. Maybe you're going to maybe make a screensaver that's a reminder of I am chosen or I am forgiven or some other statement that's true about yourself. Maybe you put a note up on the mirror or something in your car or a new set of car keys or something that reminds you of the truth of who God says that you are. I said I keep a journal. Um, and so on the first page of my journal, there's four lies that I tend to believe, Right? And so I had those four lies written down so that I remember the lies so I can recognize them quicker. And then I have four scriptures under each of them about what is true about that kind of contradicts the lie that I believe. My daughter Emily and I asked her for permission to share this. When she was in middle school, uh, like most girls in middle school, she struggled with kind of her self-image and and that type of thing, what she looked like. And so she did something about it. Uh, She on an index card, she wrote down, and she put this on her drawer, her dresser, she wrote, I am beautiful no matter what I wear. And then she had a verse from First Peter about how our beauty, come, beauty comes from inward, um, inward character, not outward adornment. And, and every day she would get dressed in middle school, and she would look at that and say, I am beautiful no matter what I wear. That was a reminder to her. You know, what are the reminders that you need to put in place for yourself so that you remember who it is that God says that you are. Because we've talked about this morning, if you were to fill in that blank, hello, I am, hello, I am chosen. I am loved and I am forgiven. That's your identity. You are chosen. You are loved and you are forgiven. So let's live those identities that God says are true about us and believe them for ourselves. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to hear from the scriptures about who you say that we are, that we are chosen and loved and forgiven. And God, as we explore the book of Ephesians, I pray that we would gather immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine because we come to understand who we are and how you have created us to be and to live. In Jesus' name, amen.